Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibu First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. It's been another difficult week for Mi'kmaq people in Newfoundland. 4,500 appeal letters received, and every single one a denial. No one had much hope for success from the appeals process, but seeing the no in black and white casts an emotional punch. The only hope now is through the courts, and that will be a long and expensive journey. So, at a time like this, we remember that we are Mi'kmaq with or without the plastic card. And one of the things that defines us as Mi'kmaq is our spiritual and ancestral relationship to the land, our land, whether it be in Gander Bay, Bay of Islands, or Burgio. And it is to Burgio that we go this week, and to a creative response to the enrollment crisis that may be useful to other Mi'kmaq communities, a way to bring together people who have status and those who do not, using culture as the medium to do so. Halibu members in Burgio were miffed that they were being asked to travel all the way to Cornerbrook to be interviewed about the traditional land use study being carried out by the band. Too far, especially for older people, and at this time of year, they complained. Fortunately, that issue got resolved. Halibu staff will travel to Burgio to interview people there. But there are more interesting elements to this story about the importance of the traditional land use study about Burgio's place in the Halibu Band, and how to bring status and non-status people together in Burgio and elsewhere. Information about traditional land use may be crucial in the future. There are no land treaties covering Mi'kmaq land. Ours is unceded territory. And though the Halibu is a landless band, that does not preclude a claim to Aboriginal title to traditional Mi'kmaq lands. But the flare-up over the land-use interviews highlights the feeling of Mi'kmaq people in Burgio toward their place in the Halibu band. They feel they're often an afterthought in Halibu decision-making. So people in Burgio are working towards setting up their own band while remaining part of Halibu. They would have their own band list, and it would include people who have Mi'kmaq heritage but who were not admitted to Halibu or are losing their status. We'll hear from one of the leaders of the initiative later in the show, and from the Halibu councillor for the Burgio area, who supports it. But first, the traditional land use study. It began in 1999 under the Federation of Newfoundland Indians, and after a break, started to be updated again in 2015. It's conducted using a Geographic Information System, or GIS, which enables interviewers to zero in on the map location of the area in question. Jonathan Strickland, Director of Natural Resources for Halibu, told me about the importance of the study. I say that there's, there's two main reasons that we're collecting this information. One is to educate our nation itself. Um, so I feel, you know, there's, we, in Halibu, we've talked lots about reconnecting with our culture. And I think that it's not a, it's not a discovery. Our culture sits with our, our members. Um, there's so much rich information with each individual. And I think that by doing studies like this, we're able to, I guess, connect the dots and get those little pieces from each individual and kind of build our story. Um, and, and our First Nation is playing that role to actually connect the, 
connect the members and connect the stories and have that that you know one traditional use database that kind of tells a bigger story. So I think that that's important for a whole host of reasons that we just educate the nation itself. Um, then, but the other thing is more of what I've been calling land management. So whether that be the example that you refer to, uh, working with industry um, to avoid a sensitive area or to, um, you know, direct some of our biological research to an area that's important um, or something as formal as land claims agreement or something of that nature. Um, there's a whole host of things that we can do uh, once we know the areas that are important. What I would say about industry um, is that, and, and in general, what our traditional use study is that our information, and this is all covered off in the interview with our confidentiality forms and everything, but um, individuals' information is never shared with industry or any other group. And it's more an, of a general area that would be of high importance. So I think that's really important to highlight because, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is very sacred to the individual that's sharing it, and they have no intentions of sharing a specific spot where they've harvested medicinal plants with any industry. Um, but I think that what our membership are happy to know is that if we identify a region that's important to our members for a whole host of reasons that we work with industry to try to keep them out of that area for and direct them to an area that's maybe somewhat less important. Jonathan Strickland. Mi'kmaq people in Burgio are waiting to tell interviewers about traditional land use in their area. Burgio occupies an important place in Newfoundland Mi'kmaq history. In fact, the American anthropologist Frank Speck, writing in the 1920s, identified Burgio as one of the first Mi'kmaq settlements on the island. One area of traditional Mi'kmaq land in the Burgio area is Grandes Brook, where I reached Greg Jaynes by cell phone at his cabin. Greg Jaynes recently retired from the military and is one of the thousands of current card holders losing their status. Jane says he hopes a Burgio band will provide a home for those who will no longer be part of Halibu and tap into the desire for more Mi'kmaq cultural opportunities in the town. Well, I'm approximately a two-hour walk. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a two-hour walk track to the cabin. I'm on, tra- uh, I'm on actual ancestral lands. That's where our ancestors come from, the Granny's Brook area. So it's about a maybe a 30-minute boat ride. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, you can't get here by car. You can't, uh, there's an ATV trail, but it's uh, very uh, <laughs> brutal if you do yes. try to use it. Yeah, I walk, I walk, and uh, I, I, I like to walk, and uh, and it, it's it's a great country, and so it was just a little bit wind, a challenge today with the wind and rain. And the terrain is very rough. It's on a river. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a salmon river, and... Uh, uh, hills on both sides, uh, very steep hills, and uh, there's a brook that runs runs through it, and it's a uh, a harsh environment. It's wooded, but uh, we get around. Uh, we we get around quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, flat, there, there's flats uh, of uh, rolling grass and uh, and beautiful green trees and. It's very nice there. Yes. So, and what is, and is there any knowledge um, there about what um, what our people uh, would have 
would have done in that area years ago. Talking to my elders now, I'm no historian or anything, uh, but um, Bernard Benite has is, is, uh, done a lot of research into this area, and uh, we, we can date back to the early 1800s of trap lines, of, uh, of fish weirs, um, uh, land use uh, all over trap lines of you know, there we have uh, names that still bear of the people who trapped those areas, like Amy Paul's Bath. You know, that she was a, a trapper, uh, went one way on the on on the eastern side, and families went on the western side. Uh, there were uh, families that occupied this area who were solely based on uh, trapping and 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 hunting and fishing. So, and those and those were Mi'kmaq people, or were, were they settlers? Those were Mi'kmaq people from uh, trace back to the Bordeaux Lakes of Cape Breton. I see. Yeah, so uh, a very rich history. Uh, much research has been done. I'm about a half a kilometer from a uh, a Mi'kmaq graveyard uh, on the banks of the river, and um, so. Those same names still exist today. Mm. Those those same families still occupy the same land today. Uh, of you know, a couple hundred years ago. Yes. Uh, so you know, it's a very uh, proud history, a rich history, and uh, and and history that people are are just starting to realize. You know how how uh, rich of a history it is. Yes. So in that in that area, who how how long does the living memory go back? I was go? just talking to an elder yesterday who who told me a story and I love the stories that, that they they tell that his grandmother was born on the Blue Hills uh, uh in Burjo and uh, you know in, in Spruce Pond and things like that. So we're not talking a long time. We're only talking a couple of generations. So that's not that's not long when you when you really look at it. There's still a presence of of memory that people can recall on their grandparents. Uh, their there's their parents' stories from their grandparents of being born on trap lines. Yes. So that so, makes that makes the traditional land use. Uh, study very important because we have a chance to to hear from those people while we still have them with us uh, to get their uh, their memories of of that time. I, I think the study is vital uh, because uh, uh, our elders have identified over uh, hundred trapping cabins located on the south coast. Um, so um, he's he's took the time. To do a study and identify the families and the, and those who occupied those cabins, where the trap lines were, and uh, and and it's very important that that we add this documented because it's not all about West Coast. We on the South Coast, that uh, sometimes being felt left out. Uh, you know, uh, we have a very rich history down here. That where we need this documented, uh, if if you know 
if at any time someone comes in and says that they're going to do something or, you know, with the ridgefish quotas and the surf clams and things coming in, into light right now, uh, we want to be part of that discussion. Yes. Now, I see on Facebook that there's been some discussion down there about starting your own band separate and apart from the Halibu band. And I wanted to ask you what what the what the um, where that's at. Is it just talk at this stage? Obviously, that would be a very long process after we've just come through the Halibut process. Well, Glenn, I after uh, coming home, I spent 22 years in the military. I just recently moved home. I looked around our community and and felt that we are being somewhat left out or unheard. Uh, or we ha- we didn't ask for the whole pie. We asked for just a piece of the pie. And we think that, that uh, our voice is not being equally uh, heard from what it is on the West Coast. So we started a culture committee with much uh, consultation and, you know, with elders, I have met with uh, many elders, even on the West Coast, uh, seeking advice. And I I really didn't know how to go about this and that, but today I feel that that we would have some benefit in Virgil with having our own, our, our own band. Now, many years ago, there was a band here. Um, Actually, Halibut Virgil Band, it was called. Uh, but we will not use the word Halibut because, uh, or because it's taken now by by the band. So we said, I, I, I asked my elders, you know, can we do this? Could it be supported? Uh, should we create our own band list? And it came back uh, overwhelming that, yes, Let's do it. Let's go forward with it. Uh, you know, because um, people are feeling that we need our voices heard here on the South Coast. Uh, I guess you'd be breaking away from Halibut and starting a, a new band. So how long would that take? Well, we wouldn't be breaking away from Halibut. What we would be doing is creating our own band list of registered uh, status, non-status members. Uh, so we still be part of Halibut, um, but but we want our voice at the table now. We have ward councillors, and um, our ward councillor Ben Bennett supports our efforts. Um, it's uh, we have, have are getting guidance from Flat Bay. Um, through this, because I am no expert in this area at all. I, I'm I'm the first to tell you that that, but we need something here on the south coast to say that we are a proud Mi'kmaq community, and we are not to be forgotten about. Mm. So you would still, in the way you're seeing things, you would still be part of the Halibu band, and people's uh, their status cards, for example, would. Uh, list the Alibu band as it as it currently 
does, that part would not change. Right. Now, we have families being torn apart here uh, through the supplemental agreement. We have some families, uh, you know, who, who uh, are accepted members because they live in a big mall community, as the supplemental agreement was written. But we have their sons and daughters who are living in Alberta, Nova Scotia, or wherever, not being accepted. Now, we would form a band uh, where those those members, those those families will all be accepted as yeah. long as they can prove a genealogy line, uh, you know, uh, a proven history of, of a Mi'kmaq, that we would have our own ban list. Now, mm-hmm. we estimate there is approximately 250 status, non-status members living currently in Burjo of a population of about 1,500. So that's quite a a uh, a, uh, a chunk. And what are the next steps in in that process to start to start a band? Well, the next step will be to come together as a group, and uh, we have to uh, an enrollment committee uh, uh, to create a band list will be vital uh, to that. Um, you know, it's not about chief, vice chief, or whoever gets elected. It's about, you know, we need a band list to recognize who's who in in, uh, in, in the scale of, of things that, because those people, you know, I receive emails every day. I receive um, emails from people right across Canada who are disheartened or are torn apart. Or, or uh, and and they need a place to call home as well. If Halibut doesn't provide them that, then the Burger Band of Indians will. Greg Jane speaking to me from Grandy's Brook. In the Halibut structure, Burgio is part of the same ward as Flat Bay. Flat Bay, while part of Halibut, also obtains funds on its own for its own initiatives. Ben Bennett. Halibut Councillor for Flat Bay and Burgio says some parts of the Flat Bay model might work for Burgio. I asked Ben Bennett about his involvement in the Burgio initiative and where he sees it going. Well, actually, the first time hearing about it might not really was only a few days ago as far as it it being a a for sure thing. Mm -hmm. It seemed like even through uh, last summer and talking to a couple of people from the community, at the, around the powwow time, you know, they expressed interest in, in having, definitely having their own cultural group. And I kind of felt that uh, perhaps a band would kind of, would come out of that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, um, uh, it's something that uh, I could see it working well down there. And uh, especially in, in their situation, it isolated the community in some ways, even though the community has a lot there to offer, it's still cut off from other areas, and if they can have that committee there uh, and starting a band, that would be a, a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But, so, like, for uh, for myself, I, I wasn't in on discussions with them. It was more they, I think they decided as a small group that may have started with one person, but uh, amongst them talking, I think, in, the, in their cultural group, uh, they decided that, uh, you know, it was the right timing to go towards having their own local band. My understanding is that it's more of a cultural type thing 
But at the same time, I'm sure they would look at trying to follow some of the things that the flat B band does as well in terms of perhaps having some small numbers employed and perhaps get to the point where they're, say, writing a proposal to try to do something in the community. Mm-hmm. And I guess the way I see it is any small community that can start this sort of group and perhaps um, use it to get some leverage into helping getting helping make their community better, I'm all for it. But I wonder if, if at the same time, if more groups like Bergio set up bands, there's a sort of fragmentation in the halibut where people's focus becomes on their local band, in this case Bergio, rather than on on halibut. Yes, there and there may be um, like it all. There may be some um, reluctancy in terms of uh, halibut. But I think that overall, like I don't want to speak for Chief Mitchell, but I think in in the experience with Flat Bay, he's been said very impressed with what they've been able to do, and I think now he's starting to see it as Halibu complementing the local bands more. But now, like I said, that's that's the way I'm feeling about it because I've seen it happen here. Mm-hmm. So, like the way, when you look at the fact of a of a local band. If they can work along, well, sometimes, yes, there can be some overlap and there could be some discussions that Halibut felt, okay, we were going to do this particular project, and now the local band might say, well, but that's, that happened a couple of times with Flatley, but generally it worked itself out. Uh, you know, Halibut would make an agreement that, okay, well, you, your group is going to take on this aspect. We'll look at this and support you here. And uh, like, to overall, it seems like it, it works well. Mm-hmm. And Halibu can complement well, but it's difficult for Halibu to be uh, that cultural support that it needs to be. Uh, it, it, it has, and it will in the, in the future. But you look at the location of Bergio, I mean, we have people, there's people on staff in Cornerbrook. That's it's going to be difficult for them to make a trip down to Bergio uh, in a January time frame, a February time frame, even though sometimes it would perhaps still happen. If Bergio can have developed their cultural group, which they have already, they can start doing a lot more now just on their own, even though they still need some support, even with regards to perhaps some cultural teachings and what have you. But if they can develop that, their band, they can kind of say develop that cultural identity out there, which is what they're, you know, they're starving to have more of it right now. They're looking for more of it. Very and look, Bergio is very similar to Flat Bay in a lot of ways. They vote, vote very strong on the culture. They both live off the land, uh, extent more than many other areas. So there's there's a lot of commonality between the two areas, to the point where I could see it being uh, a very similar type of arrangement once they get going. You know, Halibu Council Member Ben Bennett. Halibu members in Burju or elsewhere interested in the traditional land use study can contact project coordinator Sarah Leah Hindi. That's S Hindi, H I N D Y, at halibu.ca or call 634 9653. That's it for the show. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Celebration time used with the permission of Migma artist Marcus Goss. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on SoundCloud or iTunes. 
Tune in on Bay of Islands Radio, Thursday at 6 p.m. or in Norris Point and Rocky Harbor on Voice of Bombay, Tuesday at 2 p.m. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.